Well, welcome to the Living Brightly podcast with Elaine Cross. I'm Elaine Cross. I'm really excited because today is the 40th episode. And I'm excited because this 40th episode falls during the time of the counting of the Omer. And you're probably going, what is she talking about? (laughs) We'll get into that. And we're going to get into a lot about 40 and the Bible and what this means for Christians trying to let their light shine in 2023, United States of America, in Europe, in China, in Asia, wherever you are, what it means to let your light so shine that others may see your good works and glorify, not you, but your Father who is in heaven. 40 is significant. And I'm going to start that by changing the way I do things a little bit here. I always pray before I record, and I've decided that, you know what, it's important for you to pray with me, for you to settle your heart. So we're going to begin right now, from this point forward, with a word of prayer before we get into the meat of whatever I'm going to share, whatever the guest is that's going to be on the show. So, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just quiet our minds and our thoughts from the busyness of the day, and that you would have your way with the words that I speak, that you would use this to minister to your children all over the world, and that you would draw them to it, that you would have them hear your truth for them for this day. Heavenly Father, I don't have any wisdom of my own. I have wisdom that you have shared with me, and I have experiences and stories that you have helped me to succeed through, to get through. And I pray, Lord, that you would use my experiences, my words, this podcast, to minister to your other children and bless them today. And I pray, Lord, for the listeners, that they would just have ears to hear and a heart that is open to hear you more clearly and the boldness to step out in whatever way you are directing them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, did that feel good? kind of like setting the atmosphere, allowing God to come and join us in this process. And I certainly have a lot of experience, but only God can turn that experience into points of wisdom, points of understanding, points of encouragement for you. And that's what I desperately want for you. So 40. Well, it's not really like a birthday that you celebrate boldly. Yay, I'm going to be 40 next week, right? (laughs) I don't ever hear anybody saying, I can't wait till I turn 40. It's going to be wonderful. You hear kids want to be 10 because they'll be double digits, or they want to be 13 because they've entered their teen years, or 18 because they're finally legally an adult, or 21 because they can do certain things that they couldn't do prior to 21. 30 comes along and it's like, eh, some people want to stay 28 forever, but 40, eh, not really. Now that might pick back up again when you, I don't know, hit 80. I don't know. I'm not there yet. I try to enjoy every year that God gives me because I know that my days are numbered and he knows the number and I don't. So I live right now from eternity because Once I accepted Christ, substitutionary gift of the cross, I stepped into eternity. Yes, I still inhabit this 
body in time and space. But it's only a temporary situation, and I want to use every minute that he gives me in this time and space to glorify him. But I know that I'm already in eternity. I'm already moving into that time where there is no time, that place where there is no space. I don't know how to describe it. Maybe I was about 40 when I got that realization that I, I'm living in eternity now. Yes, I'm still here in, in earth, but my spirit, my soul are marked with the Holy Spirit and I am living from eternity. I'm not going to get into the, all the details of that because there's too much to talk about with 40. Let's look at 40. Most of you know stories in the Bible where 40 comes up. One of the first ones, Noah in the ark. And God shut Noah in the ark and he says, okay, in seven days, that's another big number, right? In seven days, it's going to rain and I'm going to make it rain for 40 days and 40 nights. It's like, whoa, okay, that's a long time. That's a lot of rain. But that's not the only instance in the Bible where 40 comes up. When David was challenging Goliath, well, back up a little bit, David was like the forgotten son. He was the youngest. So when all the older brothers went off to the war, David stayed home and took care of the sheep. Now, that sounds like a less dangerous job. And yet that we read later that he literally killed lions and bears to protect the sheep. That sounds pretty dangerous. I don't know some 15-year-old kid today who could slay a lion or a bear with his, I don't know, the jaw of a, a bone jars. I don't know, whatever. I don't know many 15-year-olds today who could do that. So here's David, the youngest, and dad is wondering how the boys are doing at the front. So he gives David some cheese and some bread, and he says, well, take these to your brother and let me know what's happening with the war. Because the Philistines have been just tormenting the Israelites. And by tormenting, I mean tormenting. For 40 days, the Israelites are camped on one hill. The Philistines are camped on another hill. And every day, this giant Goliath comes out and basically says, you send your best warrior and whoever wins, wins. The whole armies are not going to fight. This is a one-on-one -on -one death match, if you will, and the winner takes all. Whoever wins this match basically wins what the war is about. And I don't even know what the war is about, except maybe the Philistines leave the Israelites alone. They get out of their land or the Israelites become their slaves. It's not like the Israelites take the Philistines over as their slaves. They just will turn around and leave them alone. <laughs> so... Okay, put that in today's perspective. You've got Russia and you've got Ukraine. Imagine that Vladimir Putin lines up his greatest battalion, his mighty men, his warriors, and Vlad Zelensky lines up his greatest battalion, his mightiest fighters, and they kind of face each other and they have this face-off and every day for 40 days, one of, I don't care which side, one of Vlad's men, because they're both named Vladimir, although one pronounces it a little bit different, but okay, you get the point, comes out and basically says, send your mighty man out 
we'll fight, and then whoever wins, that's how the war ends. Either Russia keeps the land that they've overtaken, or Russia completely gets out of Ukraine, right? Russia's land is safe, but Russia's tormenting or, you know, attacking the Ukraine. But imagine if they weren't actually at war. They just stood up on this hill, one team facing the other team, one battalion facing the other battalion, and one person comes out and just gives you a verbal smackdown. You know, you guys are so low. You guys are so little. You're like ants. Send out your best warrior and I'll crush him and then we'll take over. If, if, ha, 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 you beat us, we'll go away. The Israelites are doing nothing. They do not know how to respond to this man. They do not have the courage to fight this man, to send somebody out. And here comes this 15-year-old kid with cheese and bread for his brothers and the duty to get the information, you know, get the news of the day and take it back to his father. David hears this trash-talking Philistine and he is talking down Israel. He's talking about down Israel's God. He's talking down the people, the women, you know, the mothers, whatever he can say, he's saying it. And he is derogatory and he is insulting. And here's the king and the greatest soldiers that Israel had doing nothing. Not responding, not sending anybody out, not not really knowing how to respond. And David shows up. Now, David has spent a lot of time by himself with the sheep. And because he spent a lot of time by himself with the sheep, he spent a lot of time worshiping God. He spent a lot of time in prayer with God. He spent a lot of time pondering the word of God. He was very close to God. And when he heard this Philistine, this uncircumcised heathen, trash-talking his God, he was not having it. And David's like, I'll go fight him. And David called him out. David literally called him out. So in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we see David show up on the scene. And in verse 24, when the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Israelites did not know how to respond to this guy. Okay. And the Israelites say, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. That's a huge offer. Okay. Basically, you're going to be the king's son-in-law if you can fight this guy. And all his great warriors were like, hmm, not me. Ah, sounds great. She's beautiful. I don't think so. And David asked him, so he's heard this, and he asked him again, just for clarity, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that, that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he should defy the armies of the living God. The whole army had forgotten who they were and who was behind them and who supported them. 
and who created them as a nation, as a people? David didn't. David knew. A few verses later, verse 32, David goes to King Saul. So there's this 15-year-old kid, goes to the king of the Israelites and says, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. This is the first person who has volunteered. Now, I don't know what was going through King Saul's head, except he was afraid too. But he's like, okay, sure. Why don't you wear my armor? Well, he was still a kid. He wasn't all muscular and filled out or whatever. His King Saul's armor just hung on him. And David's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to take some stones. I'll take my sling. It'll all be good. (laughs) Obviously, David didn't do it alone. Obviously, God helped him. David showed up on the 40th day. David goes out, takes his sling, nails Goliath between the eyes, takes Goliath's sword, and cuts his head off. Holds the head up and says, okay, now what? (laughs) Well, not exactly. It's not a quote. (laughs) David goes out there, you know, he's going out and he's just in his tunic and his his normal sheep herding clothes, right? Because none of the other stuff fit him. And this is what he tells Goliath. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, and I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defiled. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcass of the Philistine armies to the birds of the air, to the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gather here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. That's some bold fighting words. David was not 40. (laughs) David was roughly 15 years old. Maybe a little older, but he was he was not a grown man. He was not old enough for them to even send him to fight. And I'm sure part of it was his dad needed somebody to watch the flock. But still, we know that David defeated Goliath. And that was a huge turning point. Forty shows up multiple times. David actually served as king of Israel for 40 years. All right, we're going to stop right here for a second. And I want to thank my supporters, those people who have stepped up to help produce this podcast. And in particular, Rochelle Gibson, she has been a longstanding supporter of this show. And this show happens because people come alongside and help produce it. And as a producer, you get name recognition. Producers put up the money to help make a project come to fruition. If you're getting something from this podcast, all I ask is that you would turn that into a number and make a donation. You can go to elainecross.com and it's right on the front page. Click on the donation tab. You can. Supporting this show keeps it going and keeps it free, and keeps it from the control and the confinement 
of any sponsors or outside people. I want you to decide and support the show because you get something from the show. And that way you can share it with somebody and you don't have to worry about they're not a subscriber or they can't get past the paywall or whatever. Again, if you're enjoying the show, the only value I don't find fair is zero. So come up with a number. You can write me a check. You can PayPal, Venmo, lots of different ways. Go to elainecross.com and make a donation. Let's continue. The next big one that you probably know and remember is Jesus got baptized and then Jesus went and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. On the 40th day, the devil comes to tempt him, torment him, and try to get him to turn back. Why? Jesus was fully God. He was fully man. He was living in this body of flesh like you and I do. And he had been severely weakened. He hadn't eaten anything for 40 days. It's not like he was sleeping in a nice hotel or had a nice comfy bed. He was in the desert. So he probably had sand everywhere, right? Not comfortable, not happy. Hadn't been with people, hadn't been. We have to assume he had water. That's all we can assume because the body won't survive for 40 days without water. I don't know what kind of water he had. It probably wasn't sweet, clean purified water we have that we drink every day. It was probably dirty, nasty, sustain you to get another day kind of water that you have to drink when you're desperate for a drink. Then the devil comes to tempt him. 40 days. He tempts him three times. And those three temptations can be roughly narrowed down to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And He resisted, and it was when he came out from that, when his full ministry began. After David defeated Goliath, he was set on a path to become king of Israel. That was a long time before he became the king of Israel, like 30 years or something. Don't quote me on that. It was a long time. It rained for Noah and his family in the ark for 40 days and 40 nights. That's a lot of rain. But they had spent like 150 years, 180 years, 130 years, over 100 years building the ark. And then they had to listen to the rain pelting. And they had to listen to the people dying. I'm sure it wasn't a pleasant sound. People drowning. Animals drowning. The world being destroyed. Being baptized, if you will. Each one of these represents a time where they transitioned from one position to the next higher position. The world was baptized, cleansed of all the evil and destruction, and Noah was able to start afresh, start anew. It wasn't perfect. It was almost immediately troublesome. There was sin in the world again because sin hadn't been wiped out, but God had set things up a little differently with Noah and his family. David defeated Goliath, and he didn't immediately become king. He didn't immediately become anything. In fact, it wasn't too long after that that Saul was trying to kill him because he knew he'd been 
anointed king. So he's living in the king's house and the king's literally trying to kill him. Doesn't sound like a fun experience. Jesus is tempted to give up the very purpose he came for, to give a sacrifice on the cross, to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could have a relationship with God. And then the next three years, he was basically counting down the time until he would be crucified. Yes, he was stepping into public ministry. And yes, he was enjoying loving on people and healing people and teaching people and setting up his disciples in his church because he wasn't going to be there. He knew his time was very, very limited. And what was in the process of coming was a very brutal crucifixion. Now, there are some other 40s in the Bible that are not necessarily a level up, if you will. You know, the Israelites traveled in the desert, got to Mount Sinai, and they were not really happy with being left alone because Moses went up on the mountain for 40 days. And in those 40 days, they were like, oh, we should have been back in Egypt and he's abandoned us. We have to make our own God. And they did all this crazy stuff that wasn't good. And God came down and he's like, okay, for every day, you get a year. So they wandered in the desert for 40 years. So that was a 40-year demotion, a 40-year step back. And that was really to wipe out that whole generation that come out of Egypt because they had proven that they were just not willing to give up the slave mentality. They just were not willing to give up that idea that as bad as slavery was, at least they had bread to eat every day. So God provided bread. Well, as good as this bread is, it's so bland, blah, blah, blah. We don't have any meat. So God provided meat. He gave them quail. Oh, we have no water. So God gave them water. That process was to teach the next generation that God was trustworthy. God would provide their food every day. And so much so he would provide a double portion on Friday so that for Sabbath, the day they were ordered to rest, commanded to rest because they were being taught that God was trustworthy, that God would provide for the times when you had to be still. I think we miss so much of that. We miss so much of that in today's culture. Seven days a week, instant gratification, quick turnaround. If you have to wait three days for an Amazon package, oh my word, it's like your life is beyond itself. And yes, we know there are stories. People used to have to wait for the Sears catalog to show up and then they would have to order it by mail. And then that, that would take five days for the letter to get to the Sears department wherever the processing center was. And then it would take days for them to process the order and days for the order to get back. You could wait a month for something. If we don't get it in eight hours, it's like, huh, my life, I need my stuff. Where's my stuff? But I mentioned the, the counting of the Omer. We are in the season between, we really just had what you would call the day of ascension. So from the time Jesus was sacrificed and he died on the cross, and then on the third day he rose again. So he rose from being crucified, came back to life, and then he spent 40 days 
there's our 40, 40 days with his disciples, with people. There were over 500 firsthand accounts of seeing Jesus, talking to Jesus. He was around. He ate with them. He laughed with them. He prayed with them. He told them to be prepared for the comforter that he would send. But if he didn't leave, then the comforter couldn't come. And we know that comforter is the Holy Spirit. So Jesus has this second glorious 40 days. Now, the first set was pretty dismal. He was in the desert. He was no food, very little water. That was rough. And then at the culmination of that, he was tempted by the devil. Once he passed the temptation and and resisted the temptation, put Satan in his place, he started his earthly ministry. He started his ministry building his church. Three years later, he's crucified, buried. Now he's come up to life again. He's been resurrected. We've had Resurrection Sunday, which is Easter. And for 40 days, Jesus has been milling about, if you will, talking to the disciples, talking to people, telling them, hey, I'm only here for a little time and I'm leaving. I'm out of here. And I'm sending the comforter. But you got to know, this is, this is the job. This is what I've been training you for. It's time for you to do the work that I have prepared you to do. And on the 40th day, he took his disciples and he told them, I'm leaving, but now it's, it's go time. It's, it's time to get the work done, but you have to wait. I want you to wait in Jerusalem until the comforter comes and Jesus ascends into heaven. Now, at the end of this 40 days, he gets to go back to the Father's bosom. He gets to go back to heaven. He gets to go back to where he was to be forever, where he had taken himself out of the spirit realm, out of the place beyond time and space, and came down to earth. He had to reduce himself so much to be confined in a physical body, body and soul separate from the spiritual world, that barrier of time and space that makes the spiritual world kind of intangible. We can't really feel it. We can't touch it. We can't taste it. We can't experience it to to the degree you will when we're not here. Yes, you can have moments. There's times that knowing that, that, ex- that experience when you just sense God is with you, and those are wonderful, but they're fleeting. They're limited because the flesh is always pulling us to the needs of time and space, the needs of the flesh. And our soul is kind of the mediator between the spirit realm and the flesh realm, right? So our soul can kind of get pulled in between, but our soul's emotional. Our soul is unpredictable and it's not as reliable. And Jesus tells us we have these moments and maybe you don't see 40 days. Maybe you don't see, I'm going to count 40 days. But I know people who've done the 40-day fast, and I have done a 40-day fast. It's a powerful, powerful fast. Now, there's different ways you can do it. You can do it with just juices. You can do it just water. The more restriction you put on yourself with the idea of spending that time with God. Remember, David had spent years with God tending the sheep. He prayed his harp. He made songs. He worshiped. He prayed. He, He spent a lot of time with God. So when Goliath came along, he was like, what is this fly doing to the armies of the king of the universe, right? No, not happening. 
Jesus, being God, knew he had to experience what we experience. So he goes to the desert and he fasts for 40 days. And he spends that time in fellowship with God. He's praying, he's focusing on the task before him. And when the devil comes to tempt him, he counters him, not with fancy talk and not with violence, but with the word of God. Jesus speaks the word of God from Deuteronomy and tells Satan, get in your place, that you should worship only the Lord your God. And Jesus, post-resurrection, is here for 40 days, and he tells us, get ready. This is your time. It's time for you to step into this. If you don't feel connected to God, if you don't feel sure about what your role is, if you're not sure that God hears you when you pray, or God cares about your concerns, or you feel like God is just distant, if you don't spend time in prayer and reading your Bible, you need to do that. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God is a light to your soul. It really is there to feed you. It is the meat that you need to know the character of God and the heart of God. And it also provides an avenue for God to speak to you. Now, I'm not going to get into whether you can hear God audibly or not. I've never heard God audibly, but I can tell you, I know that I know that I know that I know. There are times that God speaks to me, and it's almost always when I'm reading his word or I'm in prayer or I've been in prayer and then I go somewhere and, and I just know I have to go talk to that person or I just know I should really pray with that person. If you've never experienced that, try fasting. Try taking some time. Now, this is not about losing weight. This is not about telling people and getting bonus points. This isn't about doing it as a group with all your church buddies so that everybody knows everybody's doing it, right? <sighs> Quietly, reflectively, just tell God, it's time for me to fast, to hear you more, speak to me as I set this time aside that I spent eating food, preparing food, doing all the things associated with food. And spend that time in the food of your word, in the bounty of Bible. And take time to pray. Take time to seek him. Those who seek, find. And you find what you're looking for. I had somebody share a couple things with me recently, and it was just negative. Oh, I see this and it's just negative. And I see that and it's just negative. I see this, it's just negative. It's just negative, 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 negative. Well, what are you doing? Oh, well, it's right there. You know, you can find the articles. You can find the good research. You can find first-person accounts. You can, so, yeah, well, yeah. But have you searched the other way? Have you looked for the positive? I don't want to give one specific thing and make you think that that's what it's about. It was about what you search for, you find. He was finding all these negative things because he was looking for negative things. I did a similar search of the topic, but from the, the different perspective, from a positive perspective. Let's talk about getting married. Oh, the marriage rate, you know, the divorce rate is going up. The percentage of people getting married is less and people don't want to get married and people just want to sleep around. And 
if you get married, somebody's going to cheat on you and the percentage of people who cheat is higher than it used to be and blah, 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 blah. It's like, hold on, back up. Are you talking about worldwide? Talking about all people groups? Are you talking about all commitment groups? Are you talking about all religious groups? The people who are religious are faithful to their religion, have a much higher marriage stability rate than people that have no religion at all. Are there people in every religion that get divorced? Absolutely. Whether they should or not. Whether their religion says they're not allowed to or not, they do. People get divorced all the time because people as a whole are selfish as a whole. People want what's good for them. Just watch some of these shows on TV. It's like, well, I just want to feel good about myself. I just want what I want and I have a right to have what I want. Well, no, you don't. You have a right to be a good member of society. You have a right to help make society good. And sometimes that means you need to put your needs on the backhand burner and the needs of somebody else on the the front burner, right? So I looked up percentages of people who have great faith who get married. I focused it on Christianity. And yes, is there divorce in Christianity? Absolutely. Should there be? I don't think there should be as much. I think there's way too much divorce in the world because I think there's a lot of selfishness in the world right now. And I think there's a lot of depression. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anger in the world right now because we're not looking to the word of God. We're looking to our right and to our left. We're looking at society and we're saying, oh, society's so bad. Oh, God's coming back. Oh, Christ's second coming's around the corner. I need to just be ready. I need to prepare myself. I need to build these walls around me to protect me. People who are married do significantly better on all levels of social, mental, emotional health when both partners are committed to the marriage. You know, I recently interviewed Adam and Madison, and they did a, a long interview, four segments on money. And in the first segment, and if you haven't heard them, I strongly suggest you go back and listen to them. They're the ones I just did, 36, 37, 38, and 39, those episodes. But in the very first episode, they said one of the first things that they did was they decided that this was us. Now that they were married, they had become a we. We were a we, and we were not two individual people anymore. And they were going to make decisions as a we, as a unit, as an us. And if the other spouse was not on board, they were going to wait and see till one of them changed their mind, basically. And of course, moving forward, they they can say, well, this is what we decided. This is what we decided because one person changed their mind. One person agreed with the other. And it's powerful. They have their money. It's not his money and her money. It's our money. It's not her bills and his bills. It's our bills. It's not his you know chores and her chores it's the chores of the house whatever it is if you have that mindset and you have to go into marriage with that mindset and frankly if you go into dating with that mindset that I'm looking for a spouse I'm not looking for a a boyfriend or girlfriend I'm looking for a husband or a wife 
I'm looking for someone to build a life with, a partnership with, that we are going to do together, 100% together. It doesn't matter what the world statistics are for divorce. It doesn't matter what the world statistics are for depression, anxiety, fear. It doesn't matter if Jesus comes back tomorrow or 200 years from now. Because the family unit is powerful. So if you're stuck in a negative loop, if you're stuck in it, all you see is negative, first of all, turn off your social devices, social media, just cut it off. You really don't need TikTok. You don't need Instagram. You don't need Facebook. You don't need Snap. You don't need any of that. Because what happens is you create an echo chamber. And if that's where you've been, that's what it's going to feed you. And you're going to find what you're looking for. If you're feeling depressed and you're looking for ways to deal with depression or whatever, guess what? You're going to get a lot of stuff about that. You need, you need to step away from it. Let it reboot. Clear your head. Spend time in the Word. Spend time with God. He has a job for you to do. He has work for you to do. He has people in your circle of influence that need to know that He is real and He wants to use you to love on them, to show them, whether it's to flat out share the gospel or if it's just to, I don't know, get their cup of coffee and take it to them and say, hey, you forgot this in the break room. I thought I'd drop it by on my way to my desk. There's so many different ways that God uses us to minister to each other. But if we're out of touch with him, if we're out of touch with the spiritual realm, you might just need a 40-day reset. You might just need a 40-day commitment to see your life, your purpose, from God's perspective. So happy 40th episode. I hope you've enjoyed this. I have really enjoyed it. It has taken many iterations. I've, God is just so good. And he has ministered to me so much that I want to share it with you. And I want you to share how God has ministered to you with me, with the world, with those around you. That's how this world gets better. When we start stepping up to the plate and doing what God has called us to do, let your light so shine that others may see your good works, glorify your Father which is in heaven, that you can be a light, a bright light as an individual, as an individual child of God, and together, united, we can be a city on a hill showing the way for the others around us who are just lost in the darkness. And this world is dark and it's dreary and it's depressing and they all need some light, just a little bit of light. Now, if you don't know how to pray, you don't know what to do or maybe you're just struggling a little bit, you can download my ebook, Connecting to Your True Power Source. It's free on my website. Just go to elainecross.com slash Jesus, and it'll link you to a place where you can put your email address in, and it'll go to you. If, you, if you've got that down and you want to get into some deep, deep Bible study, I do have a Bible study called Ruth. Let me tell you about Ruth. 
Looking for an in-depth study that helps you know God more and teaches you how to listen to the Holy Spirit's still, small voice? Go to ElaineCross.com and click on the bookstore link and order Ruth, the Matriarch of Jewish Kings. An advanced study of the Book of Ruth over 10 weeks with many insights as to how God created the world to work and the role of humans in this world. It's designed to connect your heart to the heart of God through His Word in the Book of Ruth. More than a simple love story full of heartache and hope. This intriguing story which connects Adam at creation through to Jesus and His Apostles. Find it at ElaineCross.com in the bookstore. Thanks for joining me. This has been great. Till next time.